It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show in Nielsen We Trust, now do two in a row, and who might be next? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. I want to play you a clip from yesterday's press conference with Ryan Nielsen as the Falcons get ready to take on the Cincinnati Bungles coming up at home. And the starters are going to play. The starters are going to start. Desmond Ritter is going to play. Bijan will play. All this good kind of stuff. And it'll be probably your only chance in the preseason to see our starters play because, again, they're not going to play in the third game. I can, based upon the way that that Arthur Smith does things, I don't think that there's any chance that they're going to play any of the starters come game three. It'll pr- pretty much be treated the same way that they treated game one. But I want you to hear this clip from Ryan Nielsen talking about really the same thing that we've been talking about. I want you to listen to this real quick. Yeah, I think, you know, again, ball disruption, right? Tip, tip ball, tips at equal picks. Um, you know, so it, it's just, just a drill that we do um, just so that because you, you practice it, right? And, and some guys have a knack at it a little bit better than others. Um, but you, you want to stay on, hey, affect the quarterback, you know, push the pocket, hands up. Um, you know, get in the throwing lanes up front so the ball can't come out clean, so you can't see receivers, things down the field like that. So it's all encompassing. So what have we talked about? What did we talk about last week on the show? Okay, creating more turnovers. And I loved Ryan Nielsen's answer because he explained it the way that I did. Look, yes, you can do some drills and this, that, and the other. And again, to his point, some guys adapt better than others. But in the heat of the moment of the game and things like that, you know, it's you sometimes just it doesn't happen. It doesn't connect. Right. But what he said is going to be the reason why that this defense is going to be fun this year. Disrupting the quarterback, getting into passing lanes, keeping your hands up, pushing the pocket back. What we talk about last week on the show, the idea of. This is a big potential for growth for the Falcons defense. They only had 17 total turnovers last year, only averaged one per game. Okay. If you can get to even a turnover and a half per game, you can be a top five or six defense at creating turnovers. And again, as I said, well, you know, it's only half a turnover per game. Okay. That's eight, eight and a half, eight or nine turnovers over the course of a season. You mean to tell me if you create eight or nine additional turnovers that you can't affect games because most of your games are going to be one-score games. And and when we start talking about getting this thing on track, yes, personnel and all, but coaching these guys up to do the right thing. 
And what did I say last week? You know, it's not about you just arbitrarily catch interceptions and this and the other. Yes, that's the byproduct. But forcing teams to be one-dimensional on offense, putting pressure on the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, and changing down and distance, getting into throwing lanes with your defensive line. All of these things that they do will help to create turnovers. More than just, well, it's one-on-one and our guy beats your guy. You put the offense at a disadvantage. And I loved hearing that out of Ryan Nielsen. Loved hearing it because he said exactly what I said. And again, it's a situation where this is a big opportunity for the Falcons to be much better. And when we start talking about why, how, where's our defense going to go? What are we going to do to get better? You know, again, I say, why do you think we haven't been so good over the last five years? Why have we not had a winning record? You think it's because of salary cap or we just don't have enough offensive pieces or we just don't have enough wide receivers? You think that's the reason why you really think that because we don't influence the game where it counts most. And that's your offensive and defensive lines. Now we've got, we think the offensive line kind of handled, but the defensive line hasn't been able to influence games the way that we need to and creating turnovers, sacking the quarterback, All of these things that Ryan Nielsen is talking about, the idea of how do we do that? How do we affect the game? How do we change up the dynamic of the game to put us in positions where we're more likely to win than we are to end up losing 10 games in a season? I loved it. I loved hearing him talk about it. I love the idea of where we're at in all of this. And I love the idea of Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen controlling this defense and and finally maybe turning this Titanic around that even Dan Quinn and all his greatness, who, by the way, that that's an overrated term. Again, he's got Micah Parsons to again, Micah Parsons is so good. It made Dan Quinn look like a viable NFL candidate. And by the way, when they were building the Legion of boom in Seattle, Jerry Gray was the guy coaching those up. Dan Quinn was in Gainesville, Florida. So you can miss me with all of his nonsense. I love what Jerry Gray and Ryan Nielsen are doing. They understand it completely. They get it. And when you listen to these guys, you can say, okay, I get it. Yep, I understand. I I even I understand completely. What when he's taught what he's talking about, even I understand it completely. And this is why I'm excited. Even if the starters don't play very much or they play a half or whatever the plan is going to be. So I'm excited to see some of these guys on Friday to line up against the bungles and see what some, if if we can have success with our second and third stringers and influence the game, the way that they did tip passes down deep, sacking the quarterback, getting interceptions, turning the football over, Ben don't break only giving up three points. You don't think that influence is going to happen to our first team as well? Now, again, the offensive, you know, level of play is going to amp up when first team, when, you know, again, it's not going to be um, Sean White or whatever the guy's name is, you know, White and, and um, you know, whoever they're, uh, Thompson, 
you know, Skylar Thompson. It's not going to be those guys. You know, you're going to start staring down the gun barrel of, you know, the Joe Burrows and people like that of the world. But I think we're up to the task. And this is why I get excited about what the, I, I know what the offense can be. I, I, again, the only, the only real number that I want to look at offensively is tell me what our red zone touchdown percentage is. Tell me, are we a 67% team in the red zone? 14th in Arthur's first year, um, 24th last year. If we're a good red zone team where we score 67% touchdowns, we're going to be fine. But I have to be able to sack the quarterback, turn the football over. And this is when we talk about areas of growth and potential. This is the biggest area to finally influence a game where it matters. And that is putting pressure on quarterbacks, sacking the quarterback, turning the football over, or, you know, take, you know, getting takeaways from the other team. This is how we're going to get there. This is how we're going to get ourselves in the playoffs. This is how we become a playoff caliber defense. Not, well, you know, we, we've got this guy that gets two sacks and we don't get any turnovers and this, that, and the other. No. No. We turn the football over, you know, we get takeaways, we sack the quarterback, and we're aggressive, and we come after you. This is how we're going to win. I'm not telling you that we're not going to be a good offense, but what I'm telling you is we can be a good offense. We're not going to be the greatest show on turf, okay? We're not going to be 35 points a game, all these fantasies that people have. We'll be a good offense, but you tell me that we can stop people, influence the game at the line of scrimmage, and go after quarterbacks and put them on the ground. Not 19 sacks and 17 turnovers in 17 games. That ain't going to cut it anymore. We ain't going to be a playoff team if that's what's going to happen. Our defense has to influence games here forward. And I love what I'm hearing. I love what I'm seeing. And when Ryan Nielsen says this, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Finally, somebody gets it. Finally, somebody understands about influence the game at the line of scrimmage and not playing Stephen Means starting 14 games. Getting us some players. I'm excited about this. I'm going to be thrilled to see what happens on Friday. Win, lose, or draw, I don't really care what the results are. I'm watching the process. I'm interested in the process that's taking place, and that's what matters most to me. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And listen, as football season is underway, we're heading through the preseason. We're going to be getting into regular season football right around the corner. No better time than to get involved in FanDuel than right now. And they're giving you a chance to win all season long. So right now, pick your Super Bowl winner on FanDuel. And when you do, you'll get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. You think the Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl? Fine. Every time they pick up a win, you're going to get bonus bets from FanDuel. Pick any team, you'll get the bonus bets for every victory. You can use that to bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, everything in between. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on 
FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Sign up today and start winning from FanDuel. So one of the other storylines has been the Atlanta Braves, obviously, whose offense has been outstanding here of late. But this is just what the doctor ordered. Bryce Elder was magnificent last night. And look, in the month of July and the first two starts in August, in his last seven starts, he had had a 694 ERA. And I think it was 35 innings because he'd only averaged five innings per start over his last seven starts. And the real problematic thing was he only had 18 strikeouts and he had 14 walks. Now, the strikeout walk thing was still a little bit less than ideal, but Bryce Elder was magnificent last night. He wasn't good. He was magnificent against what is obviously a stacked Yankees lineup, right? They still have Judge and Torres and Stanton and LeMayhew and all these guys. He pitched seven innings with one hit, no runs given up, three walks, three strikeouts on 94 pitches. And I want to see it again. And I think he's got the capability. Look, we've talked about Bryce Elder that right now, he was playing himself out of a, a, a spot in the rotation come playoff time. You're not going to trust a guy with a, almost seven ERA going into playoffs. And we've got Freed, we've got Strider, we've got Morton. We need another guy. We need a fourth guy. You're not going to be up. This is not spawn insane in two days of rain. You're not going to be able to pitch just three guys in the playoffs. We're going to need at least four starters. Even with rest and things like that, we're going to need four starters. An elder got right back on track and at least for now solidified that, okay, this might be a guy we can trust. We've seen him pitch big games, but it's been, you know, look, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, his first 11 starts versus his second 11 starts, 193 ERA in the first 11, the next 11 after that 507 ERA and the walks and strikeouts were almost one-to-one, whereas they were three-to-one before. And at least he was striking some guys out, whereas he's not been striking out guys of late. But that was a masterful performance. That might have been the best, in all honesty. I know Striders, you know, got the strikeouts and all this kind of stuff. That might have been as good a performance as the Braves have had all year long, where he was masterful. I think it was the first time in, what, five or six years that the Braves had a one-hit shutout. So, again, I, I know all about their offense. I know what their offense is doing. I've talked about this last, you know, this week, months now, how good their seven, eight, nine hitters are. It's the deepest lineup in baseball. We talked about, you know, Michael Harris and all the stuff he's doing. But you want to get to the World Series. You want to be a real World Series contender. Show me that we got the horses in our pitching staff. Show me we got the horses as our starting pitchers. I believe in Max Fried. I trust Charlie Morton. And I know Strider's got the best stuff in baseball. Now let me get a fourth guy where I don't have to go with a rookie or hopefully that Michael Soroka can come back up and do something or give me a bullpen game or whatever. What, what's been our big bugaboo this last couple of years? It's been starting pitching where either guys don't have healthy or we've got guys that are you know coming back from injury or sick or whatever. I need as many starters 
capable of carrying a game as I possibly can. Because again, you don't know what's going to happen. In in about a month from now, you know, the rubber's going to meet the road and it's going to be playoff baseball time. And we're going to be start talking about it, getting involved in this, and you know, obviously looking for the Braves to go on this big run. But you've got to have the starting pitching to go along with it. It can't be spawn insane in two days of rain. Morton, Freed, Strider. I'm good there. But Elder is going to be a key piece to this, and he was masterful last, last, last night against a good lineup. You know, again, they still had Gliber Torres, and they still had Mike Stanton, and they still have Aaron Judge. Still had all those guys. And the Yankees are a good team. And he completely shut them down last night. All good signs. Now I want to see it again. Now I want to see. And again, I'm not asking for seven innings and one hit with no runs, but I want to see him back to being a consistent starter. Just like those first 11 starts where he had a 193 ERA, I want to see that guy again where he was striking some guys out, three to one strikeout to walk ratio. Because the last seven starts, 18 strikeouts and four walks in 35 innings with a 694 ERA, I don't want that guy. That That's not a guy I can trust in the playoffs. That's not a guy that I can trust to do anything in the playoffs for me. I got to have this guy that is showing you that he's pitched in big moments and big games, and I need him to be ready to go come playoff time. Again, forget the division. It's over. It's been over. The Braves are up by 80 games. The New York mutts have collapsed. Everything is good in the division. I'm talking about Dodgers, Milwaukee Brewers, Philadelphia, whatever we are going to face when we come playoff time. I think right now it's the Giants and Philadelphia that have a short series that will take on the Braves with the Braves having the number one seed. All of that will change. But again, we need these guys ready to go. And I need at least four guys that can I can give the ball to and trust that good things are going to happen. I don't need the 694 ERA in the last seven starts from Elder. I need the guy that was 193 in his first 11. That's the guy we got last night. That's the big money pitcher that we need. And if he can continue to grow and build off this, and I'm really hoping this last kind of less than a third of the season, we get back to seeing the Bryce Elder that we got used to. You know, again, lineups adjust to pitchers, right? Now it's time for Elder to adjust back and get his mojo back and start getting guys out on a regular basis. If this is the Elder that we're going to see moving forward, I'm fully confident about what our rotation is going to look like come playoff time. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we thank everybody so much for being a part of our community. We call them our everydayers, and we want to know that you're listening in five days a week to the show, and we do thank you so much for being a part of our community. So who might be next? You know, so far we've seen Michael Walker. We saw Frank Darby. You know, a couple of guys that have been holdovers from the last regime and things that have already been cut by the Atlanta Falcons. And and I really do believe that had Jalen Mayfield played poorly, if he had played at the level that Michael Walker played on Friday night, I think he'd have been cut too. As it is, he lives to tell another day. And again, we heard from Arthur Smith the first part of the week saying, well, 
you know, he's at least in the competition for the swing tackle. Okay. So I think that there are guys that are, are guys that we know of name wise that could be on the bubble. Certainly Jalen Mayfield is one of those guys. And I still think he's got an uphill battle that there have been some guys that have looked more comfortable. And obviously Mayfield's back at tackle. Now he's playing for that swing tackle spot, but I definitely think that he's still a bubble guy. I'd probably lean more toward he's not going to make the club of the 53 than he's going to make it. And, and maybe they put him on the practice squad. I don't know. I mean, but this is kind of getting to be sink or swim for him. If he has another good performance on Friday against the Bungles, then that may even enhance his, you know, positioning on the roster even more. But I still think for right now that he's a guy that, you know, is on this bubble. Okay. The other guy that I think is going to be released and he just went to IR yesterday's Adi Ogundeji. Ogundeji did not have a good year. Look at all of the metrics and his numbers from last year. It was not a good season for Adi Ogundeji. And to be honest with you, you know, yes, we played with him and, you know, he's a good story and, you know, coming out of Notre Dame and all blah, blah. Okay. He can't, he's not a capable NFL player. You don't get very much production out of him. And I think at the end of the day, this IR stint is going to be the death knell for Adi Ogundeji. And again, when we talking about guys coming off the edge and doing some other things, I think there are a lot better options on this defense than Adi Ogundeji. So I definitely think that as we get close to cut time, I think he's going to be a casualty. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to end up missing out, you know, on all of this. So he's one of the other guys that I'm looking at. And maybe for the first time, and I probably wouldn't have said this a few weeks ago, but I have my concerns about whether or not Matt Hennessy is going to make this roster. This was supposed to be a week that he was out. Now it's turned into a month. And if he can't, and again, what's the old saying? You can't make the club by being in the tub. Okay. I don't, we don't even hear about Matt Hennessy competing for center. That's Ryan Newsle and Drew Dahlman. So that's not even an, an issue anymore. So Hennessy in his natural position isn't even in competition to try to overtake two guys. I mean, it's not like he's missing, you know, uh, not not beating out Drew Dolman. He's not beating out Drew Dolman or Ryan Newsel. So, again, he would be like probably third as an emergency center on our roster right now. So that's not a good sign. And as far as the left tackle spot, or sorry, the left guard spot, I should say, I still think at the end of the day, they want Bergeron to win the job. They may settle for Matt Hennessy. But again, I don't like the idea of Hennessy and Dolman standing side by side to one another. I don't like that combination. Two undersized guys standing lock-armed side by side. Again, if I had a Jake or a Lindstrom or somebody in between those guys, that would be one thing. But I don't like the idea of Hennessy and Dolman standing together on that defensive line. And I think with the injury, I think that his standing that they want Bergeron to win, he's not in the center competition. I think Matt Hennessy is going to be one of those guys that's in danger that if he doesn't come back soon and he doesn't grab a hold of this job 
and take it by the neck and strangle it to where it's his and he shows everybody that, hey, I'm your guy. If that doesn't happen, then I think they may move on from him. Again, another guy that's not part of this regime, that was not drafted by this regime. And you saw the first time they came in, they went out and drafted Drew Dahlman, who I'm not super impressed by, but they obviously believe in him more than they do Hennessy. Hennessy might have been a starter, you know, in a couple of years ago out of necessity, but now that job is Drew Dahlman's. And and even at that, it's not even Ryan, uh, sorry, Matt Hennessy being a backup. It's Ryan Newsel is the backup. So that's another guy that I look at and say, okay, that may be the next guy that goes. So Mayfield, Adi Ogundeji, Matt Hennessy. I think of the three guys that we know of that are, that are named players that have been here for the last year or two or at least have some standing in the community. I think that those are the three guys that are really right now sitting on the bubble. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's still a couple of preseason games. Obviously, if Matt Hennessy can get back and he's healthy and he gets back up to speed. But again, it's when you're missing this kind of time and you're trying to impress your coaches, you know, that's not good signs. And you can live without some of these guys. I'm not saying that the difference between us being in the playoffs or not being in the playoffs is Mayfield, Hennessy, and Adi. But those can be potential rotational pieces. Those can be guys who, if I need to plug somebody in, they can win us, help us win a football game. I thought Mayfield did some good things the other night. Obviously, we need to see Hennessy. Adi Ogundeji, I don't think does anything for you. So when I look, that's the three guys that I'm looking at that might not end up making this 53-man roster when all is said and done. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community. You can follow us or subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.